Hey WDM listeners, in this upcoming episode we talk to Ellie from Dice Drop Evolution about comfort at the tabletop role-playing table and how you can make steps forward in ensuring your players are safe and happy with playing with you. We talk about what it means to be comfortable for us and why we think ensuring comfort and safety is so important. Remember that everyone should have fun playing TTRPGs and comfort is the key to that fun. For more information, see the timestamps of this episode. And for now, let's move on to the actual episode. Have fun! Well, hello, people. Welcome to Double DM episode 63. Hello, guys. As usual, I am Emil, your host, or one of your two hosts. And with me, I have my lovely host, Niels. How are you doing? I can't complain. It is going interestingly. Let's say that. Let's say interestingly. interestingly. Yeah. What does that mean? Date of recording is one day before a holiday. So there will be a lot of work at work. So full of idiots that don't know shit and still ask stupid questions all the time. And when you give them the answer, they still ask the same stupid question again and again and again. So yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to today. But after that, with some colleagues, we're going to enjoy some drinks and have a lot of fun. It's mixed. The first five hours of the evening will be shit, probably. But then it's going to be a lot of fun. Okay, 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 cool, cool, cool. How about you? Uh, Blah, blah, blah. Moving is a pain. Hmm, fair, understandable. Yesterday had the last session of this semester or this break semester's Kendall course. Next week is going to be a normal course again. More or less a normal course than a holiday course or not a holiday, but a break course, which is only for the advanced people, which is a lot more training, which isn't bad, but it's a lot more stress. Yesterday was the final session of that. And since our uh, normal coach is on vacation with his kids, someone else came in and did the stuff and they tried to get us a lot more time in armor. Normally we have like one one hour in armor and one hour out of armor, which is normal. Learning the strikes, doing some 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 exercises and all of that stuff. But this time we cut that short and went way quicker to the armor. And that means a lot more stress because such an armor is freaking heavy. And that adds a lot of weight to your body, weight you aren't used to to moving. So it's a lot more exhausting to do this. And especially in Kendo, you're trained to not go drinking because you can't when you wear this helmet. You, you're not you're not allowed to put the helmet. Uh, you're not allowed to take the helmet off until mm -hmm. the, until the training is over. So you're not allowed to drink because you can't. You're not allowed to go to the toilet because you can't. You have the armor on. You can't go to the toilet. But you're just trained to suck everything up. You got sweat in your eye. Well, you have to work with one eye for like five minutes until this eye comes down. It's like nearly every session, this armor just adds a lot of um, inconvenience you aren't used to and you need to get used to that. <laughs> you need to learn to fight with this and that's what we're doing and it's a lot of fun and I've been doing this for quite some time now so it's not that hard but sometimes there's some some days there's just so much exhaustion after that you just fall to sleep and I slept for 10 hours straight. Yeah, I, I can imagine there's gonna be even more strain in high summer when it's like a bit degrees. 
don't get me started. Don't get me started on high summer. <laughs> the sessions are in the evenings, so 7 p.m. to like 10 p.m. So mm-hmm. it's not that big of a deal. But there are like, let's say, five to six sessions in high summer, June, July, August, that are pain. That yeah. Those are a pain. I mean, even in these months, even at 7 p.m., it's going to be around still 25, 26 degrees outside sometimes. I mean, that's okay. The secret, you don't want it too cold either. You don't want it cold, actually. Yeah, definitely not. Because kendo is a sport you do barefoot. If the room you're training in has cold floors, it's even more a pain in the ass than when you're just sweating your ass off. Yeah. It's a more. It's, it's even worse. So right now we're in the perfect spot because it's hot enough that the floor isn't just freezing, but at the same time, it's not too hot that you can't even work without drinking. Because yes, in those few sessions in the high summer, before we put the armor on, we're allowed to drink because otherwise we would just fall over and die. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. But normally in these two or three hour candle sessions, you're not allowed to drink stuff, right? When we have a beginner and an advanced course, it's three hours for the advanced because the advanced are, uh, are meant to come to the beginner course and teach the beginners while then having their advanced lesson after. And that together is three hours and you're not supposed to drink in those three hours. Obviously we do, but you're supposed to keep it on a minimum. Even drinking something is bad because Kendo is a sport where you put a lot of force forward and have to move a lot. Mm -hmm. Too much water in your body is also not good. I'm not here to complain really about the sport. I love it. A great exercise for me. It's very fun to do it. It's just sometimes it's a pain. (laughs) With all these martial arts, they can be a pain in the ass, but you still like it and love it for it. So, Nils, um, going to TTRPG stuff. Did you have any sessions this week? Uh, no, I did not. Not this week yet. But there is, there are three coming up. Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Holy shit, Nils. <laughs> yeah, and uh, in two of these I'm a player, so. Oh, even better. Yeah. So yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun. I think. I hope. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But yeah. And the one session that I am running would be more or less a downtime session where they uh-huh. can explore the city where they now have a home and get to know the other people, build some sort of connections to other parties in the city that they're in, get to know the whole shtick of the damn city. What is up there? Is there Are there any problems? And all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Please continue. I, I want to know more. <laughs> there isn't actually that much more to that specific session yet because I have built a city with all the shops and major NPCs and all of that stuff and some sort of wildlife around it because they wanted to see where all what all of the wildlife around the city is because they are now living there and they might want to craft some stuff or might want to if there are any big monsters in the uh, woods outside their city they want to deal with with them so yeah but there isn't any major there aren't any major things except one big fucking dinosaur somewhere <laughs> okay. around there okay. yeah but uh, this dinosaur is the last of its kind on this continent mm-hmm. so this dinosaur tries to keep away from anything humanly humanoid mm-hmm. thing because they got hunted for their skin for whatever and yeah this will be some sort of interesting encounter my party isn't technically ready yet but if they want to fight a big fuck of dinosaur they sure can but if they should that's on another page <laughs> that's a different topic it is there what they do with it it's up to them yeah i also had a session past mm-hmm. sunday and it was pretty damn enjoyable players were entering a valley a mountain valley which i named the stone snake valley which was very fitting to the three medusa living there and guarding the entrance to the inner sanctum of the unt people 
people mm-hmm. where my players wanted to go, they fought one of them. The one of them that was actually the one trained in combat, the fighter of the three Medusa. Two of my players got petrified. Oh boy. Two of mm-hmm. them ran away. There was this fight. They basically, in the span of five minutes, managed to offend the UNT by crawling onto the gate of their inner sanctum and basically sitting on top of it like they were above them. <laughs> Oh boy. We did not like that. Understandably so. The Medusa, which basically in this world, the Medusa are also UNT for me. And this Medusa fought them. The monk was the first one to get hit with the petrifying gaze, but did not get petrified. He withstood after the first, uh, he failed the first and then the second he didn't. He, he succeeded and was free. Ran away. The gnome artificer ran after him while the paladin kept fighting, was hit with a petrifying gaze, did not withstand and it started to get... No, 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 no. The, the the paladin wasn't getting petrified, but he was hit prone by the Medusa. Oh no, that's a recipe for disaster. Then the rogue that hit behind the paladin <laughs> looked the Medusa straight in the eye and wrote a natural one on his con save. Oh no. him instantly. <laughs> then it was the paladin alone. So the monk turned around, started fighting again. The paladin then got started to petrify, got the finishing blow on this Medusa, but how these Medusas were cursed and worked, she would be reincarnated 24 hours later. She would be reincarnated 24 hours later. And after he got the kill, he got petrified in his victory pole. I mean, that's kind of a fun way to go, but... Having the only caster, the only divine caster with some sort of access to... Oh, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. He didn't have access to greater restoration. My players were level six. They didn't even have access to the spell. Oh, okay. Never mind then. Then then it's a good way to go. Finishing (laughs) off in your victory pose. They had no way to end the petrification. And it's not like they didn't know about the petrification. They were here on information they got in a different temple where they also were nearly petrified. They had the knowledge that they probably would encounter something along the lines of petrification again, but they didn't prepare against that. Right after the two got petrified, my rogue looks at me and says, wait, could I have prepared for this, right? And I'm like, yep, that's the only thing you didn't do. You prepared for everything else, not the dungeon you were supposed to go into. And he was like, hmm, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing else, fuck. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, the other two then found one of the other three Medusa and convinced her to help them. Mm-hmm. And how I made it is one of the things, I didn't do this just because my two players were petrified and wanted their characters back, it was made this way before even uh, playing the session that Medusas can lift the curse of another Medusa, but she needs time for that. Now they um, are going to unpetrify their friends. While that is happening, they see the other Medusa that was reincarnated approaching again. Obviously, she wants to destroy the statue of that one that killed her. Oh no. So it's going to be a lot of fun because they will now need to protect the statue of their friend for three rounds until he is unpetrified again and can fight at the beginning of the next session, which is going to be in May. And I am excited for this. Hell yeah. This, this sounds like, like a lot of fun. Yeah. Hell yeah. Okay. So we got that out of the way. I think that recaps our weeks, our stress and our sessions pretty well. So why don't we go ahead and meet Ali from Dice Drop? If you like what you are hearing, then why not give us a follow on the platform you are listening to us right now? And why not also give us a 5-star rating and review on Spotify, iTunes or any other platform you choose to listen to us? If you wish to book ad slots that play instead of this pre-recorded audio in the episode, contact us on Twitter about our current available advertisement plans and prices. And with that, back to the episode.
And with that, welcome back to the episode. We have our guest now with us, Ellie from Dice Drop. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing great, actually. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here with my good friends. And I just came here from Target. So like Dolan pre-Target run mindset. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a pleasure to have you here with us today, Ellie. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Ellie, yes. you are, I would say, one of the biggest personalities that I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> No, please don't be. You GM for a podcast. So please tell us about that. I do. I do GM for a podcast. I do also call myself a game goddess because I'm full of myself and I'm a Leo. <laughs> I'm the game goddess for Dice Drop Evolution, a Mutants and Masterminds actual play podcast. So if you're really tired of that high fantasy chaos, you can come over and get some X-Men style chaos. And that's just as fun. That sounded almost rehearsed. <laughs> I honestly, I want you to know, Emil, I need you to know that the last like two days, I now realize that I have a script in my head head that I tend to read whenever I talk about dice drop in any way and I'm just like this is bad <laughs> <laughs> like I've done this too many times so Ellie to get to know you a bit how did you get started with tabletop role playing awkward story so I was doing this beautiful thing called online dating as a millennial you need to do that now <laughs> And I met this one guy who ended up being the first GM of Dice Drop and it didn't work out. Let's just put it that way. And he introduced me to Dungeons and Dragons. I was just like, this is great. I already put worlds in my head anyways, and I want to be anything but myself. So I played it, fell in love with it. And then it kind of like took a year or so for me to actually get back into it after I left it. And now, now I'm here. Now I'm here with a kind of successful actual play podcast no 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 don't 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 start me like that you're the biggest mutants and masterminds podcast out there shut up don't do that to me <laughs> i am doing that to you first of all you're 100 the biggest i know because i don't know anyone else there's like two others but they're like <laughs> but see you're the biggest and how has that realization been like there's some days where i'm like fuck you guys i'm the biggest mutants and masterminds podcast and other days where i'm just like fuck i'm the biggest mutants and masterminds podcast and then i just have a crisis and i go no 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 it's cool it's cool it's cool and then the next day it's not cool anymore and that's just how i've been living <laughs> <laughs> Whew, okay I'm sorry. No, 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 no. You were no. like, Ellie, I want you on. I was like, that's a bad plan. Nils, Nils is now figuring that out. <laughs> no, I'm loving this so far. So we wanted to have you on because first of all, obviously you're one of the coolest people I know. Second of all, because even though you say you aren't, you're pretty fucking smart and insightful. And third of all, because you've, you've been on roleplay chat before mm -hmm. with Matt and you talked about it was character bleed, I think it was yes and that kind of relates to what we were going to talk about today which is player comfort at the table so ellie since double dm has in the last 20 episodes or so gotten very philosophical at the beginning of its episodes <laughs> tell me what it means to be comfortable what it means to be comfortable for me is to not immediately have a panic attack <laughs> <laughs> not immediately have a crisis so it's very much a you're happy with what you're doing but you're not 
stressed about it. You are relaxed in a way where you can be yourself without feeling like you're stressing it too much into having people like you because anyone around you is going to like you anyways. It's like that kind of level of relaxation with everybody. And that's kind of where I see it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If that made any sense. I mean, yeah, it did, right? I think there's a lot of components to comfort. Like you said, being happy with what you're doing or being happy where you are and not being stressed about it. But there could probably be more. I don't know. Nils, do you think that there is really more to it? Yeah, I think... Especially for me, feeling safe in this enclosed space, more or less, is really important to me for being comfortable. Because if I'm safe, I have the feeling that I've relaxed enough to do whatever I want with the people that I want to do it with and don't get judged for it in that Mm -hmm. matter. You brought it up. Safety is a pretty important part of comfort, right? If you're not feeling safe, you're probably going to be stressed about it all and also probably not going to be happy about it. So especially in regards to tabletop role-playing games, what does it mean to get your players comfortable when this is just from me going from a few tables where one or two i wasn't like the most comfortable in or in just like spaces in general where i wasn't the most comfortable in kind of knowing who you're asking to play your game i'm not saying like always ask the correct people because sometimes those people don't want to like push out their creative box yet they don't want to go there but you think oh well i actually think they could do that the whole point of it is to have of like that comfort level with them so let's say well you don't fully know the people you're asking to come to the table because not everybody has that luxury not everyone's like oh yeah i've known this person for 10 years i know exactly their like red flags and everything which sometimes isn't the case by the way you have to have some form of familiarity with the situation you're planning on putting your characters in or players in the familiarity with the people that you're in so i always recommend the session zero which there are some people out there that are like we don't do session zeros we go right into it blah 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 and then you have to be like well are your players okay with that and they're like yeah they're fine with them like okay cool good for you because there's different playing styles for everybody but if you're going into something like i'm about to do some major trauma on one of my players one of their characters for their storyline you have to do some form of like warning Mm. because you don't know what they have gone through that day you don't know what's been going through their head that month maybe you do but it's like you have to let them know hey i'm kind of planning on something for you you don't have to like go into detail for but you can say i have something planned for you if you want to keep it a secret just to like give them a heads up Mm -hmm. and that's like a big thing for me like you have to give your party group of friends a heads up about like hey something's about to happen Mm -hmm. i feel like that's one big great advice right off the bat really it's okay to tell your players what's gonna happen or that there is something gonna happen you don't have to tell them explicitly (laughs) at the time of recording on saturday tomorrow i have a DD session and my players are gonna enter this big mountain valley there are three medusa in there that are gonna try to kill them and there is also some curses involved there is some nightmarish things involved that could potentially put their characters through trauma or into very unsettling experiences and i told my players hey this could be hard could be dangerous and could be traumatic for your characters and they all went okay that's cool thank you for letting us know and i believe now they when they show up tomorrow are gonna be a little bit more prepared for it and if if it's not out of the blue it plays a lot of into the safety 
and comfort for them. Because, well, now they kind of expect something to happen. It's, it's the same when you go into a horror movie, right? Yeah. You don't go into a kid's movie and then get a horror movie because that's not what you signed up for. Yeah. You, you know what you sign up for with a horror movie. And that's, I'm just going to get this out of the way. One of the big arguments I always see about against safety tools is, right, I don't want to get spoiled when I see a movie. But you fucking pick a horror movie. Let me be able to say that I want to pick a horror game. Tell me you give me a horror game so I can say if I want to sign up for that. And that is that is a safety tool, which these people just don't realize. Yeah, des deciding on a tone or a general genre of movies you want, uh, of a movie you want to see is a big part of the experience as well. And I think this should be a big part of a TTRPG as well, or a game mm. or a campaign or whatever. You need to know what you're getting yourself into. I mean, they make movie trailers for a reason. It's to show you, hey, this is what's going on in this movie. It may be just be like a, oh, I'm so excited for this movie, but it is showing you, hey, this isn't just like a fun little superhero thing. There's like some actual trauma. There's bloodshots. There's like everything. And it's just like, that's your warning. That's your warning right there. So if you know, oh, that stuff would trigger me, you know not to go see that movie. Mm -hmm. For America and, and Germany, but we in Germany, we have the Unterhaltung Software Selbstkontrolle or also USK. And uh, America has PG-13 uh, NCR or whatever you guys have. You, you also... G R R is the fun one. <laughs> Ratings, right? It's, yeah. it's a simple age category thing for PG-13. Expect certain themes and things to not get shown at all. Those are mm -hmm. just not available in this sort of category. Same with us here in Germany. And that is also a safety tool because when I when I look at the uh, digital, digital consent sheet I send over to my players every time we play a game, that's the first question that's on there, really. If this game were a movie, which rating would it have? Or which rating do you want it to have? And then I can see well if someone says i want a pg-13 game because this is just for me as a one in a month type of deal i just want to get out escape reality and have some fun while i work two jobs and study at university i'm just then i'm not gonna put the character through severe trauma or anything <laughs> i'm just gonna make fun them kill dragons and that's fine and that's right coming back to comfort is so important knowing what your players want if you know what they want you know how to play into that and if you know what they don't want you know what to stay away from if you want your players comfortable you need to stay away from the stuff they don't want because they don't want it for a reason yeah it's also a way to lose players at your table too because if you go too far they're leaving like because it's just not comfortable for them anymore they already made it very clear <laughs> i just never have found a person in my life that does does enjoy a situation they're not comfortable in. If I sign up for a horror movie, I might get scared or something, but I signed up for that. I'm still comfortable. And if, if it gets too scary for me, I can still just leave. I'm still comfortable while I get scared or while I shit my pants or whatever. But I'm still comfortable in doing that because I said, okay, I want to do this. It's my decision. Yeah. So when I actually started be and I became like the actual like GM of Dice Drop, that was something that the old GM didn't do was we never got a session zero. We never got a, hey, this is the direction I kind of want to go with this. We never got any of that. So when I was passed over, everybody had their own individual session zeros with me. One, because I needed to know what the hell direction they wanted to go with their characters. And two, I needed to know their safety tools. And that was super, super, super important to me. And there were some things where they're like, I'm more comfortable with you doing this than James doing this. But also, like, I know story-wise, you'll make it better. 
better than what he did. And I said, okay, thank you for telling me. And when it came to my insane asylum arc that I did, that was an entire session zero altogether because I said, hey, I kind of want to do this. And both my characters at that point, because Britain wasn't in it yet, were like, this sounds awesome. We want to do this. This sounds great. And I said, cool. Thanks so much for wanting to do this. I am letting you know that the finale, I'm kind of making like more like Saw, like the horror movie Saw, and I'm going to do dashes of the new mutants in it. And they're just like, okay, here's my one red flag. And both of them said this, don't make it too gory. That was it. And guess what didn't happen? There wasn't a drop of blood. I said, oh yeah, your hands cut off. And that was it. Like that was... That was the only thing that was said. It wasn't like, oh, there's tendons and blood everywhere. No, it was your hands cut off and it's eaten. Sorry. Um, <laughs> there's a cannibal in there. <laughs> have fun. Um, Emil hasn't gotten to there yet. So have fun, Emil. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> no, but I mean, especially not just having a session zero, but having individual checkpoints around each arc or every certain step in the campaign or especially in front of more intense and traumatizing, unsettling, horror episodes is one of the things that Sergio from Mayday Roleplay talked to us about as well in, in his episode with us about horror is that these check-ins every time are so important. At any given time where you feel like it's appropriate, you should do one. If ever the question comes should i do another checkup that alone is the sign of yes you should because you're thinking to yourself are my players still comfortable and you need to answer that question instantly because you can't go forward with maybe they are because if they aren't that's a problem and that's a really big problem but i I think you both touched on a very interesting topic to be honest is the difference between character comfort versus player comfort because as you said getting your hand cut off is not a pleasant and or comfortable experience for anyone but for the player because of safety tools and everything like that it might have been still or it probably has been still a comfortable moment in the story or in the game itself what i your takes on that is there a big difference between player comfort and character comfort i feel like and this might be a hot topic for some gms but it's your duty to make sure that your players are comfortable to make sure that your characters are comfortable so if your players are comfortable they know what you're doing is one for story points and for and two it's to kind of move the character along no the character is not currently happy because their hands cut off and that's just not going to be something that happens but the person who's running that character understands the situation and why it happened so i think it's more of like and there's going to be like some gms out there that are probably listening to this saying actually it's not my duty it's like eh, it's kind of is you decide to run a table it's your responsibility to make sure the players are happy and they're happy with the story points they're happy with everything i did warn that player though hey if you do a b or c you're going to be playing fuck around and find out to which their response to that was lol bet and then i was just like well okay (laughs) (laughs) so (laughs) i don't know which characters and i don't want you to tell me but one of i think you know i think you know in your head (laughs) head. but i want to say something about that because i would be the same (laughs) i would have said the exact same thing exact same reaction oh yeah i know already i want to find <laughs> like i was like this is a real like i'm putting stakes on here because there wasn't stakes on it before and i know you're comfortable enough with me to like trust in these stakes and the response i got was do it now it's just like bet all right you're, you're gonna i'm sorry you asked now you're getting it <laughs> yeah sorry 
the situation is there in is to be described in one word shit yeah but as you said the player understands the player knows that this is also not gonna be all the time like this right there are times in dice drop where the player characters are very comfortable and doing whatever whatever the fuck they want and laugh to being in those situations even though you also put your players through a lot of shit as do i <laughs> as one does <laughs> One other thing, I feel like there's a lot of callbacks to the horror episode we did with Sergio from Mayday Roleplay here. You can't always have your players or their characters in shit moments. There needs to be moments where the character enjoys their self, where there's a moment where they also feel comfortable because that plays into player comfort as well because they play this character, right? They have an interest in this character being comfortable. Yeah, yeah. There is a lot of downtime with Dice Drop, which is why a lot of people say, wow, your podcast is really chaotic. And really the point of that is I let the three assholes run rampant until I have to go back to a storyline. And that's just them getting comfortable with their player, with their with their character, with their uh, just like person that they are creating. So they know like the mannerisms of this character. They know how this character walks, how this character talks. And it's just getting that comfort level with them with what they're playing. And then I throw shit at them and they get really typed up whenever. I do that. <laughs> yeah, but th this kind of ties into a lot of things because if your players are comfortable with their characters and at the table itself, it kind of forces them or not, not forces them really, but gets them to be invested into the storyline or into the game itself. And if they're comfortable, they don't want to leave because they are so invested in the story and want to see it progress. At least that's my experience yeah. from my tables. Yes. One of the yeah. best tools to see if your players are comfortable is if, if they scream at you if you end the session on a cliffhanger and they want to keep going, in my opinion. They are invested in the game. That's the best sign of they are invested in my game and they are and they can only be invested if they want to play coming back to what actually means being comfortable they want to be here they want to have this type of enjoyment this type of experience and then they just want to keep going so if you, yeah as you said you, if your players are comfortable with playing with you they are gonna keep coming they and 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 i can tell to, to every gm if your players keep coming back to your table that's the best sign that they want to be at your table they want to play this game with you that, that they are comfortable around you but that doesn't mean that you should sit on that you never know they sometimes they might just show up because well this is a social obligation that i signed up for i should get there but actually i don't want to you always need to check and yeah one thing that i always think to myself and i, I pondered if i should actually bring this up but in one of my my longest running game the campaign i started playing ttrpgs with with my first ever gm we didn't have a session zero because none, none of us knew what that even was at the beginning and i feel that over the years we We've all like that first session was nearly nine years ago. Yeah. Obviously, every one of us changed in that nine years. I graduated high school. I am near the end of my university studies for my bachelor's degree. Same for my uh, fellow players. One of them is currently in the last year of school like we've all developed a lot and recently um we hit a wall uh, there was a point where i don't want to say it got heated at the table but it got kind of like okay this could be the end of this group like it wasn't fights but someone was like okay i don't know what i'm to the point of well we don't have anything to do why don't we have anything to do uh, this is all shit and blah and then we had to talk that out and we had we signed up for a four-hour session where we just talked through these issues that when i looked at it from an outside perspective at that session they could have all been more or less solved in the session zero or in a, th that was one of these checkup sessions we never did before and most of those issues could have been solved in a session zero we should do this and this and this this way and it was a lot of stuff
stuff that we could have talked about way earlier that could have probably prevented that hitting that wall. And that just hammered home for me the importance of always checking in every time. Like every time I check with my players, how did you enjoy this game? Was everything okay? And if I feel like there's a need for a bigger, bigger discussion, I'm calling that. And I'm willing to sacrifice a full game session for that every time. Sometimes those discussions are more or less needed, especially if you're wanting the game to not only progress, but actually get better than it was. Because I think honestly, after I did my session zeros with everybody on my cast, Dice Drop got a lot better. Like it didn't feel like we were hitting a wall anymore. It felt like a storyline was actually progressing. It felt like there was actually story plots that were going that everybody was comfortable with and everybody liked the like actual movement of everything. And everybody like will DM me if they're like, hey, I have an idea for this. They'll DM me mid recording and I have to look at my Discord while <laughs> while in the recording session going, what are you messaging me? And it, it will just be like stuff like that. And I've made it very clear and I do this with my guests too that are on Dice Drop is I have like two different session zeros with any guests that come onto my podcast. One is the initial, I'm going to tell you all about my podcast in case you have not listened to it because I don't expect anybody who's like coming on to have listened to my podcast fully. So they need to know where they're coming in or listen to my podcast at all. I don't judge people. Everybody's time is important and they just like talking to me as a person. So they want to be on Dice Drop. That's cool. That's awesome. I love that. I'll do that. I'll give everybody the safety tools. I'll give everybody the tell me what you're okay, what you're not okay with. This is an R-rated podcast. You can curse. You can do dirty jokes. I do not care. Tell me if you have any ideas for your character right now and then we'll go through that and then we'll have an initial session where I go through the character sheet with them. And that alone right there, even if they're comfortable with me as a friend, it turns it into another like layer of, well, now they're comfortable of having me as a GM because we've had these two, two and a half, three hour long conversations where we understand each other as player and GM. And my other players come in and they also talk to the person and then it becomes a more enjoyable experience for me, for my players, for my audience. And that's just the best way to handle any guesting or just like personal situation with anybody. I listened to a podcast a few days ago and they were talking about some unrelated topic to this, but they said that they don't start at the session zero. They, they, they start at session minus 10. And even though that was kind of a joke from them, it isn't really a joke because there's more before a session zero oftentimes for me. It's getting to know the person I'm actually playing with. It's getting comfortable with them and them as with me as the GM, like you said, Ellie. And then that reminded me, I mostly only play with my closest friends I've known for years. And that is not because that I'm scared of the people that I could be playing with from, let's say, the TTRPG community. If if I were to make a show or were to guest on a show, that is okay. But every time I'm, I'm like, okay, I could invite someone new to my game or I could make a show where I invite people from the community to my show, it's always like, but how do I make sure that this new person that I only know on a pretty surface level basis is actually comfortable at my table, right? Because it's something different than when I know my friends for three, four, three to five or even 10 years, I, I know them. And this person from the internet, I don't in comparison to them. And I always feel like I get scared <laughs> of someone new at my table because I don't know how, I don't know if I'm making the game comfortable for them. 
because I don't want them to get it uncomfortable. Yeah, I have a similar, <laughs> I have a similar problem where it's more of, oh no, they're going to hear my bad narrator voice to the scene I'm opening up, and now I'm self-conscious, even though it's not like they haven't heard dice drop. So I'm always worried about making sure my players. I am going to put a spoiler in here, but uh, whatever, the episode's going to be out in like two weeks. So it's the episode where uh, Amber, the Space Jammer, is actually on dice drop. I had to ask them personally because they did not want to choose their powers like I let every other guest do. They wanted to roll them like we did like at the beginning and I said okay go for it. Um, They rolled for them and one of their powers they had to get like really hurt to be able to show what their power was and i had to go hey this could happen more like this is me saying this is probably going to happen if you choose this power do you want to roll again and they trusted me enough to be like no i trust you thank you for letting me know and that was just like another layer of, I know you don't want to know your power, but I am letting you know this is a possibility of what's going to happen because of this power. So it's just like letting somebody know, let them know, let them know context, let them be like possibility, probably going to happen, but it's to help your character in the long run. It's just keeping people informed at that point, really. And it's about keeping them prepared or more or less that they can prepare for possibilities to happen. Going up unprepared into a certain situation is very uncomfortable for m many people. Many people don't like being unprepared. And this is also true for TTRPGs. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like the more there's talking involved, easier it is to ensure comfort, especially with people you haven't known for a long time. Just talking, talking, talking. There isn't as such a thing as too much talking in that regard, I feel like. Mm -hmm. uh, communication is the key to playing a good or great game of tabletop role-playing games. If, if you're not communicating with your players or your GM, it's bound to fail. I, I don't want to say that it's a 100% certainty, but... There's like all... a 75% chance. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all the games that I've been in that failed in any regard were because there wasn't enough communicating. Yep. I had to do more and didn't happen. So, yeah. yeah. Like we always say, it's a social game after all. Every TTRPG is. Mm. And communication is at the core of it. It is just narrated differently, but it is just talking to each other so this obviously plays in, in a huge role in that mm. making people comfortable and happy to play at your tables when someone asked me about titan score because there are some people that i've seen a twitter post about this uh, that they say i have different priorities at my table and i'm like wait your players are not your top priority what the fuck <laughs> What are we playing? <laughs> They're the only reason why you have a game. <laughs> what are you talking about? I, I didn't understand that someone said that they were like, okay, yeah, I put my narrative first. I'm like, what the fuck? No, I like without players, you wouldn't have a narrative. Yeah, players are always my first priority, right? And, and, and that means player comfort is a top priority all the time. And one of the few things that I consider a failure as a GM, because there aren't many points where you can actually fail as a GM, because most of them are just things that happen that you identify as a failure, but weren't actually a failure because they were very easily fixed. But not respecting and making sure that your players are comfortable is one of the few failures you can actually do as a GM. And it's probably the most severe mistake you can make, in my opinion. 
I feel like there isn't a game if there's one person at your table that isn't comfortable. And that's just a personal. I played so many one shots. I played a few like four parters. Uh, I'm about to go into a streamed game of Changeling the Lost, which is super going to be like a complete opposite of what I normally play because I normally play like hyperactive, chaotic, right to punch somebody in the face. And I'm going to a totally different side of my like repertoire of characters that I can do and she's going to be like super demure and she's going to be super quiet but she's very good at like watching and looking before acting and it's very different than what I'm comfortable with playing we haven't even like done a full like actual talk with everybody my character sheet's done but Ankh is the GM in that and oh my god she is so thorough with everything that they're doing they messaged me the other night and they were just like hey just letting you know are you okay with this because I'm kind of tempted to put this in the game as someone as a guest to which my response was yes thank you for telling me I think this sounds a lot of fun for my character also I'm going to make whatever you're planning to do fall in love with me and then they went god damn it (laughs) And I know it's going to be a fun, it's going to be an interesting game. It's not going to be as like my normal flavor. So everyone's going to be like, oh, wow, Ali can actually do serious campaigns, which I kind of want to show. So (laughs) as much as I love doing a bunch of like loud, chaotic, just like my normal gig, I I just want to show like, by the way, I can do this flavor. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And knowing that I'm in a comfortable setting enough for that is like everything. Like, if I wasn't comfortable, I don't think I'd be able to play this character. Like, I'm planning on playing it. I have to ask, as a fan, not for the podcast, is that that's streamed, right? Yes. When? We don't we don't have we don't have a set date yet. But Kristen, Liz, and Sarah from Stormborn Curse and mm-hmm. Matt from Dungeon Glitch are also going to be on it. So mm-hmm. it's going to be a very good stream. I have <laughs> been enjoying so much content from Stormborn's Curse because I've been craving so much pirate themed and, and <laughs> seafaring campaigns for the last three weeks. But one thing that I think that you just brought up in me is Changeling the the Fallen, is it? They it's one of these games like Vampire the Masquerade. I don't want yeah. to compare the two but they they are very different from mutants and masterminds and for example D&D because both of Mm -hmm. these games are power fantasies both of these games are meant to be whoa these characters are more or less heroes they they might be anti-heroes more in the face of dice drop maybe but they're still powerful we're getting stuff done on dice drop no we're not (laughs) I don't I've never called I think I've called maybe our team heroes maybe four times in the almost two years we've had a podcast (laughs) like they're not heroes (laughs) I'm, I might be influenced by the first system that I played that I GM'd for almost exclusively for three years, the Dark Eye, which explicitly calls all the characters heroes. Yeah. They are there to save the day. They are there to make a difference. They are there to be special. And that's what they call the characters. And, and in D&D, they are called adventurers or characters, yeah. but not heroes normally. But I call them heroes when I write my prep and I say like, okay, the heroes find this because it's just the word that I want to use because it exactly describes... A lot of people go to heroes, especially when it comes to dice drop and i have to go i'm sorry guys they're not heroes they're morally gray assholes that ended up with powers that they are not responsible enough they to are more or less anti-heroes <laughs> but still they're powerful they're, yeah. it's, it's a power fantasy and changeling the fallen and vampire the masquerade are games that touch on very different themes than and are not power fantasies not in the slightest and these games require the storyteller or the runner of the game and especially also the players of the game to be a lot more comfortable with each other not
not that I'm saying that there's really degrees of comfortable, because at the end you're either comfortable or you're not, but these games just have it baked in way more that you need to communicate every single time if you're comfortable or if you're not, especially if you're not. When I read the Game Master section for Vampire the Masquerade, I think the first thing that they, that they put there was, use safety tools, please. I actually have the book right over there. I could go grab it and be like, it probably does, actually. <laughs> D&D doesn't have that, really. It doesn't have no. a big, please, use safety tools. Recently, the Wizards of the Coast have gotten better about, hey, safety tools are probably a good idea, but it's never like, bam, right in front of you. It's not on the first page of the PHB or something. And the other games, which know that they are hitting on very different themes than a power fantasy know that safety tools are a very very good idea to play these games they're yeah. kind of a necessity they need to be there to make the game play in a way because yeah if no one is comfortable that the game wouldn't be there anymore so especially mm -hmm. if you are hitting on these darker or more intense topics it can get difficult real quick i don't know um this isn't the flex but i've never had a player walk out on me before so i think i've been doing pretty well and comfortable <laughs> for them <laughs> Right? I think none of us have, but I'm coming back to this, but player comfort is still just number one priority for me. And, and for me, it comes down to respect, really. It, I need to respect my players. And this is really one of the biggest advice I can always give to people is if you don't respect your players, why are you playing a game that is about having fun make-believe? Make-believe with rules. The only thing that is actually keeping the game running isn't the rules you're playing or the world or the characters you have. It's the respect you have for the people to be able to play make belief with you it's yeah i i'm very much the consent of others to roll dice with you and tell you that they are flinging around fake swords is a privilege not a right <laughs> because they are comfortable enough to fling that fake sword at you and know that you won't do anything like incredibly reckless like one of my first like actual times playing DD, &D, one of the players got word that i was like oh well i'm gonna play a druid but i'm going to play this druid like a rogue and the rogue did not like that so i came into their campaign the first thing that this rogue do is throw rocks at my character unprompted like ready to like just fight and kill off my character as soon as i got into the campaign and that wasn't cool i wasn't exactly comfortable with that especially because it was my literally it was like the first 10 minutes of me walking into that campaign so that was literally the first time i like played DD. and then i I was like you know what screw this and <laughs> i did like a few other things that i wasn't 100 percent comfortable with and then i decided you know what we're gonna step back from ttrpgs dnds for a bit because like i like it but i don't think I, one i would have the time for it because i was finishing college at that time and i just wanted to like beat run it and two every time i played it was like there was a problem and then i i started listening to like dnds D&D podcast. I started listening to TTRPG podcasts. I was like, damn, I really want to get back into that. I really want to get back into that. So I reached out to the old GM, the one that I met on OkCupid, the one that was on Dice Drop at the beginning. And he said, yeah, sure, let's do it. Let's get some people together. Let's play a game. And we played a game. It was probably one of the best D&D games I've had. And lo and behold, it was with Elena from Dice Drop and Kyle from Dice Drop. Wild. And like four or five sessions in, we were like, hey, we're funny. We should do a podcast. And now we're here. <laughs> then I was forced into a GM role. <laughs> <laughs> were you comfortable with that at first? I know I've asked this question to you especially two times before but how was that getting into that seat? How did you feel? Ever just scream internally for like three hours? 
<laughs> the comfort level of that was not at all. And that's me being completely honest with everybody. I've kind of like, I just did an interview with Homie and the Dude and Bodie and Tom actually asked me a very similar question. And I wasn't comfortable in the slightest, but I knew it was something that I had to do to keep this podcast going because there was no way in hell Elena was going to GM. There was no way in hell Kyle was going to GM. So I called them separately and was just like, how do you feel about me becoming the GM? Elena immediately was just like, yes, do it. Go. I trust you and I believe in you. And I was just like, bet. And I called Kyle and to which Kyle was just like, you do everything anyways. So now we're here and I only get praise from all three of them. So that's nice because as someone who's never actually run a table other than this game, which starting with this game and not D&D is already just like a nice shot in the dark there. Uh, (laughs) I wasn't comfortable when I started and you can tell with episode 47 when that was like my first time actually GMing. I was not comfortable. If you hear me now GM, I'm comfortable. I'm happy where I'm at. I'm happy where the story's going. I know for the most part that my players are comfortable. I'm pretty sure they would tell me otherwise. Usually at the end of arcs I check in with them and go all right this is what we're doing is everybody okay with that and they go yes I go thank you if they're not okay with that they will tell me because they are comfortable enough to do that with me As an avid listener of Dice Drop Evolution, I have to say, when I started with your GMing, I could tell you were nervous in the first episode. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That quickly subsided, in my opinion, over, I don't know, four or five episodes. And one could tell that you became more comfortable, more in line with the new, in quotation marks, responsibilities you had now and how you could play with the power you also held at the same time. And that you got way more comfortable in that role. I had several people message me on that first episode going, Going, wow, I'm so happy to like see somebody else like GM. This is really nice. And then I'd say, thanks. It's my first time GMing. And they're like, I couldn't tell. Like, I think they were being nice, but like, I'm like, you can, you can tell. I've listened to that episode like three times now. And every time I'm like, oh no. I wouldn't say I knew before that yeah. this was your first time GMing. So obviously I could pick up on maybe a few more things, but you've been jamming better than a few people that I know for their first time in that moment. There were a lot of people that were way worse than you were in that episode by a long shot even (laughs) that's good Really, I've had some people DM for me. I had some people that were in a game mastering club, in a mm-hmm. club where you, in a, in a pro GM club here in Germany, and they had worse GMs than you in that first episode. For fucking real. Trust me. Yeah, I think Thank one you. big thing is when you listen to yourself or see something you made yourself, you're way more critical than every other person out there. Oh, or yeah. Ellie <laughs> edits her podcast and I edit mine. With yeah. So, my voice. <laughs> very fun, especially yeah. if it's unedited. <laughs> Fun yeah. fact, Elena and Kyle cannot listen to the goddamn podcast. They're like, we can't listen to our own voices. And I'm just like, I hate you both so much. Because <laughs> I have to listen to my voice literally all the time. And sometimes I tr- I crack the same jokes out loud that I do in the recording. And I'm just like, I'm still the same human. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, with Zunk and Smurf, which are our two extra players for our Titan Scroll game, they also were always like, we can't listen to our voice. And I'm like, if you start doing it, it gets better every single time. You just have to do it. You have to get over those like first four episodes of you listening to your own voice. And trust me, with the editing that I do, your voice won't sound the same as you think it does. It will be completely different. I say whenever I have to edit the voice, 
cases I just disassociate from it being me and that usually helps. I go, that's not me. That's just another idiot that sounds exactly like me and has the same speaking mannerisms. And that's how I go. <laughs> okay. I think Niels has one last question for us for this episode. Yeah, th this one is especially for content creators or more focused on content creators because as podcast creators, we have people listen to our podcast and we kind of want them to be comfortable listening to our podcast as well. What can we do to check up on them or what can we do to keep them comfortable or is there anything that we can actively do to do so? As someone who runs an R-rated spicy TTRPG podcast, my first thing was in the description before I describe anything that is about this podcast if you look at Dice Drop it says warning this podcast contains A, B, C, D and then I go into this is the description of this podcast and when it comes to like really explicit episodes I think for most of the horror arc that Dice Drop did I actually have like notices at the beginning like hey this one gets really intense this one just is a content warning and I think those are really good roadblocks to be putting in like before just to like get your audience ready so at that point your audience has read the podcast description like they know oh this is what is there if that's the first sentence that they see then they're going to know what to get ready for you can also have it as like a first episode a preface episode you can put as a trailer you can be like hey welcome to this podcast this is just a warning for everybody and like customer service voice going just a warning and that gets your audience pretty sated when it comes to this is the content and at that point if they didn't listen to it if they didn't read any of those warnings that's on them because you put it out there you have it everywhere and at that point it's kind of like a dealer's choice because you've done literally everything you can do to make sure your audience is aware of what's going on mm. comes back to the same principle that is about getting your players comfortable it's about making them prepared or about giving them the ability to prepare for what's to come and with a content warning at the beginning or in the show notes of your episodes you get them prepared you're like okay this is a general description this can't this happens in this episode decide for yourself if this works for you again <laughs> i'm coming back to this podcast way too often doom to repeat by mayday players their show is one of the best i've ever listened to but their episodes always start with for a full list of trigger and contents warnings check the show notes of each and every single episode because they get into a lot of stuff and i mean a lot of stuff i think their content warnings are like 13 different points like for each episode there's violence there's gore there's gaslighting there's this and this and this and like yeah it's good to let people be prepared for that shit what happens in your episodes <laughs> the episodes are great but there's a lot of stuff to go through and getting your listeners just as much as your players prepared for what's to come and so they can even if they might want to listen to stuff and then at that moment realize okay no this is getting too much for me this is what they meant with this content warning in the beginning now i can still just close and skip the next 50 minutes or just go to the next episode and still be done with it it just gets them prepared to take action either in stopping the episode when they listen to it or just not listening at all the one of the episodes we contained a content warning in was our episode three yep. which was about quarantine and COVID-19 and that episode has very few listens regarding episodes two and four because it had that content warning in the beginning and probably some people said okay no not gonna listen to that I am no better than that I don't have to and that is what you can do to get these people comfortable I've also had a podcast they had some weird stuff regarding teeth and they made in the episode they they literally broke up the episode and said now comes a scene that might be uncomfortable for some people skip to this timestamp to skip this scene now 
was like, okay, that's something you can do as well. You don't have to because it's not your responsibility necessarily, but it's still making sure that your audience is comfortable and safe listening to your show. And if you want to go to that effort, that's a very good thing to do. But aside from that, there's not really much you can do. You could make your game, obviously, for everyone, but some things are just fun that are not for everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Thinking back to the first episode of our actual play. (laughs) That's not for everyone. Yeah, fuck you, but thank you. Sorry. <laughs> Fuck that, you, that I'm sorry. The best description I could give for that episode would be Fuck you, but thanks. See you tomorrow. <laughs> With that, I think we've wrapped up this episode. We've talked a lot about comfort and to just to conclude a few points, comfort comes down to respecting your players, making sure that they can prepare for stuff that they might not enjoy or so they can prepare so they still enjoy the stuff that you're putting in front of them and just making sure that comfort stays as a top priority in everything you do with your game. Do checkups every now and then, do session zeros, do session minus one and two just to be safe. And if everyone is feeling comfortable, they will come back to your table you will enjoy the game and that's why we're all here for at the end comfort is just the gateway to actually enjoying the game so if no one else has anything to add then i would ask ellie please promote your show shout out people you want to shout out i don't know do whatever (laughs) hi guys my name's ellie i am the game goddess at daystrop evolution a mutants and masterminds actual play podcast please follow double dm pod they are awesome um (laughs) yeah i don't know um if you're looking for like stupid fucking chaos of just monsters or mutants and masterminds like superheroes running around i guess check out my podcast if you really hated me on here send your hate mail to dice underscore drop i will block you accordingly thank you (laughs) (laughs) no everyone please check out dice drop it's a long form content Uh, it's a lot of content because they've been going for two years nearly two years i think your anniversary is next week right my anniversary is at the end of the month but yeah (laughs) (laughs) Uh, ever just be stressed all the time (laughs) no but really as someone that has listened through the episode from the beginning to at whatever point i'm at right now it's really something you should get into because first of all it's not dnd and second of all it's a very good show it's a very good show actually when you think about it so nils please shout out the other not so good show that is on this show (laughs) the other not so good show you can find on twitter and instagram at double dm pod or at our website www.doubledm.com i now learned this phrase <laughs> he also has a script and a set he did it yeah he definitely did it. <laughs> if you would like you can also donate to us on ko-fi and please if you like this show give us a review on your favorite podcasting or podcast listening platform of your choice with that hear you on the next one thanks ali for being here bye-bye. bye bye